quieres hacer este podcast en español? Claro, soy experto sí, ahora. Che, baludo, ¿cómo te va? <laughs> Bienvenidos a Infinity License. ¿Qué es eso? Es en Argentina. Che, baludo, you know, it's like, that's like, it's kind of like che, baludo is what they say in Argentina. We're like, hey, fuckface. Or like, or like, it's kind of like, hey, dummy. Uh, it's it's like a it's a term of endearment, like kind of. No, I did not. I, I didn't. In my like short immersion in Spanish, we didn't get to like 1940s Argentinian bar slang. <laughs> no, it's modern slang. They say it now. Mm -hmm. And also in Argentina, they say. Um, Sounds old. They say uh, instead of two, they say vos. So and they, yeah, they I don't, don't like that. And they don't like they don't do the stem changing. So instead of like two tienes, it would be like vos tenes. Who's like, worse at stems? Um, <laughs> Who's worse at STEM, American math students or non-Argentinians? Uh, American math students. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, uh, the China's got lapped us on that one, I think, easily. Yeah. Um, should we welcome to Infinity License? Episode uh, 64. Um, Brian Pisano here with... Lenny DeFranco. We're ba he's back. He's back from Plan Columbia. Columbia. <laughs> yeah, I crop dusted the entire country, um, achieving nothing but giving a bunch of toddlers birth defects, certainly not killing much of the cocoa plant um, industry, and basically just funneling a bunch of money to paramilitaries. That's what I did. I mean, and there's been no fallout from that at all. Like, Columbia, last I heard, is pretty stable. Everyone's <laughs> healthy. And yep. <laughs> they definitely don't have a right-wing government that is, like creaking dangerously towards its end oh well as graham green would have said other than that how was the how was the play mr defranco <laughs> <laughs> how was your oh, how was your we're reporting back though so you know they had to move the you know the copa america the soccer tournament was going to be jointly held by colombia and argentina um like some games in each country both of them had to individually back out of it because in argentina COVID was ravaging the country And in Colombia, COVID was ravaging the country, and also there was a massive national strike that, like, you know, roads were closed and stuff. So they were going to move it. I think they were considering maybe moving it to the U.S., but then they decided to keep it in South America if only they could find a country willing to deny the reality of COVID enough to host it, and they found Brazil. And <laughs> Brazil being kind of our... It's kind of an analog to America in a lot of ways, I feel like. It's a, it's a multiracial... Uh, huge. country, huge country, also dealing, also had slaves. Yep. Um, it's very big. Uh, they're kind of like our, but they, there's a lot of obviously very big cultural difference. They have, they don't have the same social mores and like puritanical roots that America does. So it's kind of like this interesting, like, uh, north of the equator, south of the equator. It, yeah. Divide. There's also sort of like probably, I think a Brazilian exceptionalism cause they're sort of different on that continent just cause the country is so big and they have a different language. Um, Yeah, we are. I think that we're becoming the Brazil of North America. That makes more sense. Like, you know, just I, massive inequality and stuff like that. I kind do of, remember walking out of work. We're turning more into a second world country than they're, than they're resembling a first world country. That makes sense. I think that's the backslide makes more sense. Well, they're also, I mean, this is a digression, but they're a lot like us too in the way that it's like founded on the idea of like, well, there's so much space. So there's always going to be like free real estate out yeah. there. Like, yeah, we can just, well, there's always going to be free real estate and resources. So let's just like, build our society based on that premise and yep. that and won't they, backfire on us at they all. They <laughs> were in favor of, you know, Native American genocide. They also, I feel like the the idea of deforesting the rainforest just to create more farmland is a very American idea. Yes. Like we would do that. So really? Yeah, obviously we should replace this, you know, 
intangible uh, asset to the human, uh, like Earth's environment with uh, a corn farm. I want to, <laughs> I feel like I want to re-normalize first world, third world as terms because they're no, they fell out of favor. But I remember in college, I heard, um, you know, th- th- that was, so this would have been like 2009 or something. And I, they had just introduced the idea of, we're, we're now going to call it the global north and the global south. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, all that liberals have anymore is semantics. And so there's, it's kind of futile on that level, but also that's no better. I mean, it's, and I think that a lot of people down there, um, identify as like, you're in the, we're in the second or third world. Right. Like the idea of eliminating the sort of hierarchical economic value judgment of, well, we're the you know developed world and we have more money and, and we don't want to say that they're like, they're lesser than, but if you're down in that country, you know that you're the, the, the problem that the term third world is trying to, the problem that people have with it is obvious to people that live in a third world country. Right. So see, I thought, see, this may be a dated understanding. I thought first world was defining as the Western capitalist states and their client states. Second world was communist East and their client states. And third world was like essentially the spheres of influence that also happened oh, to be they were the up ba- for grabs. That, yeah, that like that had to were on the backside of like, also on the backside of like, you know, the migration away from colonialism to just like global capitalist extraction. That's, interesting. that's that was my understanding of how that worked. And that's why but then it morphed into this okay, well there's just first world that's why second world doesn't get used as right. much. Because it's like first world and third world was just like, okay, well in a end of history post fall of Soviet Union, second world just kind of becomes not it just it's not yeah so yeah, it was yeah. more in a oh that's so interesting i never i never I might heard be wrong. that i could be wrong but yeah. i like that idea so yeah. basically in a it, it was a, a, a it was a vocabulary developed for a, a world of proxy wars yes so the third world identifies where those proxy wars will take place between numbers 1 and 2 exactly yeah interesting yeah um, I did not know that. I always thought it was just like you're ranking how rich the country is one through three. I, that makes intuitively which, which, I, makes which is what I'm yeah. endorsing. Yeah, because I I think that trying to evade that reality is only something you think is possible if you're in a privileged first world. If you're in that that country that has developing systems of governance or just has a lot less money, it is very obvious to where you stand, and it serves no one to equivocate about that. Yeah, particularly in a world. Where it's so hyper connected, like you're very aware. Yep. Of, like you're you're aware of your station. Yeah, I think so. Maybe they should just set up a tiered system of like instead of first world, second world, third world. It's kind of I guess the G seven and G twenty kind of do this, but like the G seven plus one plus five plus, plus sixty nine. Yeah, exactly. The, the G seven, but there's also these other countries that it's not seven. So like, why don't you change the name? But like the, you know, like just kind of like here's the top ten countries in human development index, and then here's ten through twenty, and then like they, that's the, those are the those are the tiers. So you could, like you could I'm t- I'm advocating for like a 20 tier system. <laughs> and that would like promote people to be like, "Oh, we want to get like we, we need to-, to gamify international relations Absolutely. so much more. We only got like this current system that we have. The, how many more years do you think the United States government has? Like how many more presidents do you think we're going to have? Maybe like 15, 3? <laughs> I, I don't know. It depends on how it depends on how true a lot of the things related to climate cla- like climate change accelerate. True. Like cities like Phoenix and Houston just won't like be inhabitable in the next decade and that kind of the fallout from two major metropolitan areas uh, and that I mean that includes the surrounding areas which is like millions of people results in some kind of refugee migration internally in the United States that that is a and that is a end state like the, the like 
problem. Like there's people that are saying build the wall are going to be like, actually the wall should be at the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> you know, like, actually let's like move that wall like 30 degrees latitude North. Um, because I think that's what's going to happen. I don't there's know. probably a lot of money to be made. If someone can, the money should shift from trying to solve climate change, to just identify the one spot on planet earth. That's going to get way better. Uh, I can tell you that it's, I think Quebec Ontario, North All Midwest, right. and buying, North, North. I'm buying long. That's why I'm Montreal. not leaving the Northeast. Uh, like, okay. it's like I'm buying Montreal, long on Montreal. Uh, a lot of farmland around it. It is already. It's arable. Yeah, but land the problem there. is you can't tell. Like, I don't know that based on. I don't know that for sure. Like, for example, I thought Chicago was going to hugely benefit from it because they could block off the St. Lawrence Seaway. The sea level is not going to rise. Um, but in reality, and it, and it's a temperate climate, so Chicago could stand to get a and little fresh, bit hotter. And fresh water access. And it's got fresh water. Yeah. Um, and it's geographically distant that there's not a humongous, like, you know, megalopolis worth of, like, you know, 50 million people like you have here that are all going to be thirsty and hungry at the right. same time. Yeah. Um, but in reality, Chicago is, like, going to really suffer from climate change, too, because the Great Lakes system is starting to, like, fluctuate water levels by, like, way more than it did before. And it's starting to flood into the city more, and that's only going to get bigger. Oh. So there, there, that was not an option. Huh. So um, anyway, but in in the remaining couple decades we have of like the the existing kind of world order, we got to start gamifying it so much. I agree. Like, there is no reason why we shouldn't be settling internet like WTO cases with soccer games, <laughs> or having um, I don't know like. You know, so the like the G seven plus one plus what you know the, these ridiculous constructions they have, they are no different uh, in substance from like a reality shows alliances and how you know there's this crew, but then there's another crew, and so we should start having just reality shows where there's like we send a national champion like in Game of Thrones to represent you know the interest the, the bargaining interests of like the UK, and then there's China, and we have this show that transpires over like seven episodes or something. And it's a web series, <laughs> and the outcome of this web series is, how, however, what problem gets resolved. Like, so you're saying states states need to have more skin in the game in these kind of international. Like, we need to make it. We need to start making it entertaining because the, it's not going to work anymore anyway. So at least let's start gamifying it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's a you know an interesting take. It's a, well, I think that's the one way that could also bring back nationalism. I feel like everyone's yeah. like sense of nationality. Like, look how many people. I barely knew the Olympics were on, and look at how many people in in Tokyo are pissed. They're like, "We don't want this. Like, figure out how to like solve COVID, and like, <laughs> I want a job and like that kind of stuff." They're like, "Why? Why are we have like like five foot tall American athletes coming in here and just parading around?" And a, go, a, dig USA. a digression, but speaking of international, one of the most fun times I've ever had watching like an international competition was during the rugby world cup when it was australia versus japan and the final <laughs> score was like two it was like 200 to three and i'm not that's not an exaggeration you can probably look it up from like the 2007 or 2008 rugby world cup just watching these just like and also the australian team is a mix of like there's like huge like the, the leftovers from like England's like prison colony people, so these giant like English freaks, and then the indigenous like Aborigines who are like also just like the most jacked dudes, <laughs> just running over a five foot five Japanese guy, <laughs> and it was like uh, I was like oh man, how did they get to the finals? It's like I guess rugby just, I mean the, the, their technique was fantastic. They just uh, they, it wasn't the finals. It was like it was the uh, it was, was just the rugby world stage. cup. They they like they it was the group stage and they were a lower seated team, but like they need, I mean there's only how many how many 
countries have competitive internationally competitive rugby teams, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Not that many. The US's team I don't even think the US's team qualified for that. So which says something in the middle like I don't know, what if the US team played Japan? What would happen there? I don't know. Yeah, embarrassment. But yeah. But anyway, that was a that was a simpler time back when we didn't have to worry about it. But what, do we want to do a quick COVID update or how are you feeling? Yeah, about actually, COVID? you know what? Well, the <laughs> talking about how we should gamify international relations actually just made me realize something about or it, it kind of transitions into a COVID update. You know, we've spent so much time worrying about like the data that they have on us. And remember when Facebook fra- famously said that they could start they could subliminally alter moods by changing what people saw on Facebook and stuff. And now we're facing this period of COVID where we're dealing with vaccine hesitancy and people are just, there's, as you said, um, there's just this 40% of the country that will never want to get vaccinated. And I feel like I kind of, as always like the fact that the government is not mandating these things. Like I, I, there's a part of me that likes the sort of freedom first thing. I want people to decide to do it themselves, but it would really be a good time to cynically deploy all of that mind control that you know that they can do. It would be a good time to use everything that they've learned about how to get people addicted to cell phones. See if you can apply that towards incepting the idea that, oh, maybe I should get the COVID yeah. well, vaccine. You know, the, the thing, though, is that the the rates of vaccination are closest. Like, where, where there was, like, high COVID deaths and that kind of stuff, there is high, you, there's high rates of vaccination. So people that were maybe more exposed. But honestly, like, maybe more exposed, maybe have more people in their life that had a negative outcome because of COVID. Um, negative outcomes being permanent <laughs> disabilities or death or just getting really sick. Um, but I think the real motivator, to be honest, in my case, I was not only working in healthcare, but it was, it was kind of laziness and uh, an urge to get back to just like a normal life where I'm like, oh, the faster I get this, the faster I can go to a Mets game and not worry ha- about wearing a mask or like, yeah. or showing a vaccination card or something like that. I was like, oh yeah. Like, like, the, like you know, like everybody, I was like, oh, well, I can see why people were in the first batch were skeptical and were like, oh, nobody's done this before. This is a new mRNA vaccines are a new, like not human tested. The, the testing groups were small. We don't know what the outcomes will be. But then like as more people did it, I was just like kind of like, all right, like whatever. I'll, I'll like, it seems like the first batch are going, okay, I'm probably, I'm probably fine. So that was, and then the sooner I get this, the sooner I'm, I'm back on course to regular life. Now the last group, I don't know how they're reachable via that. I don't even know if it's like using subliminal, like tech, like using tech to subliminal messages, like just get the vaccine. Because if you already didn't think, if your life didn't alter because of it, my life altered because of COVID. Right. Like stuff shut down. Like New York City changed for sure. So I was like, okay, the faster that we can get back to the New York City that I know and love, like I'm happy to get on board for that civic project. But like other people who are like, they lock down for two weeks and they're like, oh, never mind, it's fake. It's made up by. Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or whatever, and then and so I'm not gonna. And you could say that like one solution might be to just raise the bar of inconvenience, which is kind of what you're saying motivated yes. you because there probably are. There's it seems like right now like there's two camps. There's people that are the ideologues who believe that the government just they're not willing to tolerate the government pushing anything down their throats, even though it's not being pushed down their throats. Um, 
and there's people that are just kind of lazy. And for that other group of people, if you get that group of people, you might get close to like 70% or whatever it is. Yeah, Where are we at now, 70? Uh, in New York in New York City or New York City? No, the country. The country is like, no, we're like, I think we're at like 60%. Um, oh, really? Uh, I think we can look, let's check you, you can get probably to 80% if you were to just make it inconvenient. Determining that but, latter group you identified, and if that's the true, like, yes, I agree. The, the method should be raising more barriers and be like, if you just had the vaccine, it'd be easier. And then those people like myself would have been like, just give this But here, here's like, the I, question I, though. So the rel- compare the, the effort of, let's say just like investing in giving vaccines to let's say India, which is a place where there's, it's so dense that the, it, we're going to create more and more variants, even just from a purely selfish standpoint, aside from the well being of Indian people, you're going to create more and more variants and, like the Delta variant that are going to come here. And so focus on that. Forget about the places in America. The reason is because we in dense places suffered way more from this disease than places where there's not that many people. And so if there's vaccines available and they're kind of more vaccinated enough, do we need to get them there? Like this is a case of, do we need to apply the mores and the, the systems of a city to places where there's not that many people? I'm not so sure that we do. Maybe not. Well then, maybe it's just. Uh, but then I think it's. I think it's already highlighting a fracture that's gone on in society that is just going to continue to split. Where like I think a lot of those people who are not getting the vaccine have already been cut out of like the urban life or the things that they they're not they're not going to City Field or Yankee Stadium. They're not going to a thing that would require you to be in a densely populated area. They're not going to Broadway shows. They're not going like they're not. They don't they have no interest. They're not commuting into Manhattan or anything like that. They're they're like, no, my life is separate from that completely and doesn't interact with that. So why do I even have to? And maybe you're right, is that the target is like, well, if you're already cut out from that and we're trying to reach you, like that's wasted resources. We shouldn't even bother. Like, let's just let's focus on locally the del- the dense places where this is going to happen. And then I guess not by by proxy be magnanimous and give it to other countries that have like a similar like urbanized economy like or are urbanizing economy like India or or, I mean, China and Russia have their own vaccines, but like, you know, Western Europe, places that want have demand for vaccine, and we have just the intellectual property <laughs> and supply chain for it, and they don't. So uh, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I, I think, yeah, maybe you're right, but it's like there's there's so much tied up in that in the way that like those those biotech companies are hesitant to do that because like, they're like, well, we can't just give up the whole game. Like, <laughs> you know, like like this, the whole premise of our industry is built on us owning this like charging uh, for and yeah yeah and i also heard someone i had a friend in columbia who works in healthcare and i asked about what she thought about um you know like the basically taking the ip and, and just giving it for free and her answer was well you know the moderna a lot of their pipeline is based on this technology and i'm like are you serious like are we even it is such a shame that we have can even equate the, the the imperatives of Moderna's pipeline, right? Exactly. To, yeah, like like that. It's like well, then it's it's showing how the system itself is just folding in on itself. Well, yeah. it's like well, if you don't do that, then we're just going to live in this permanent state of like uh like people are just going to be sick. And the other stuff. thing, the other thing too that about the the why I kind of don't understand vaccine hesitancy is it's they always said like one of the common explanations offered by kind of anti-COVID or COVID skeptic people was that it's just a flu. This makes it just a flu. Yeah. Like the vaccine makes it just another flu. Yeah. And so I don't know, you know, I've always like had this idea that this 
disease revealed which parts of society consider themselves the managers that are seeing a problem and trying to solve it versus the people that are either, either due to selfishness or due to like being far enough away from power that they don't perceive it as a problem that they can solve. They just see it as some other bullshit that's happening. Yeah. And I think that in retrospect, the more we, the further we get away from the tumult of closed businesses and everything like that, it's becoming so clear that this was a problem, that there was a period of figuring out how to solve it, the solution came, and then it ended and we got back to normal life. And so, in other words, I think that there's, the, the further we get away from it, um, the more it's going to seem insane to have resisted this thing that was clearly just a solution to a problem. Right. I To me, it's just that I think that, it is a solution to a problem. I don't think those people will reveal. I think those people are just getting, those people were already cut out of the modern U S economy. Like, I think a lot of the people that are mostly, uh, like, some of them, so, I mean, uh, I guess it's true. There's a lot this of is the uh, Trump thing. Like, you yeah. know, a lot of the people who voted for Trump were really in the economy. Yeah. You wonder if, if Trump had still been president, do you think more of those people would be taking the vaccine? More of the vaccine hesitant people. Yeah. Do you think it's like Trump people that are vaccine hesitant or like, do you think there'd be a portion of QAnon people would be like, actually, the the vaccine is it's, well, it's giving me part of Trump's DNA and it'll turn me so into a So he would probably be touting the vaccine more because he would be understanding it as a way to solve the problem that he had. Right. And he would also be taking credit for it. Right. So maybe more people would more of his fans be taking it that. Yeah, actually I think yes. Yeah, I, I think, think so there'd too. be more vaccine adoption yeah. of Trump for president. I think that I think there's a portion I can't obviously I don't I don't have the stats, but it'd be interesting to survey that population and see even just try to feel out, be like is part of it that you don't trust the current administration, like or, or really? well, the, yeah, and and the thing is that they don't they don't like the government pushing something down their throats, but in reality, the, like they don't even like the government suggesting something, right? And so, if the government were different, and if the story about what the U.S. government were and the administration were different, then they would see it as the salvific thing that Trump delivered. I talked to a Trump supporter one time recently who who did say that all I know is that I'm vaccinated because of him, because of the you know the whatever program, which is not true. But, um, you know, so that, that would be the general narrative, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's, well, it's, it's a wonder, like, as we're talking about the marketing or trying to get these people on vaccine hesitant people on board, uh, for vaccination. It's interesting to think what you said that sparked an idea in my mind is that they don't want to be told getting told what to do sucks. Like they, and they, they feel that more acutely than most other people for whatever reason. So would the marketing have been different? Like, oh, patriots, like, you're a good person. Like, in a lot of the liberal sphere, it's like getting vaccinated is like equated with the same thing with mask wearing. It's like, oh, I'm a good person. I got my vaccine. I, I trust wearing masks and that kind of stuff. In that sphere, it's not. In that sphere, like the marketing would have been like, well, Donald Trump, he's he's an independent, free-thinking businessman, and he said the vaccine is good, and he helped us get it. Like, you know, there, would, there maybe would have been a difference and in marketing, and also I think the, the group of people that is in the like liberal coastal cities would have just been like, well, I'm just getting the vaccine anyway. It could also have been, it could also have gone the other way and, and kind of gotten to where I'm currently at, which is like, all right, this is available for anyone who wants it. Let's not spend too many cycles worrying about if people don't want to get it, they're not going to get it. Fine. I don't care. Yeah. There might even be as like what we were alluding to before, there might even be a reason to not um, care about it that much. If you're in a super not dense place. Right. Yeah. So, you're just like I'm just willing to. I'd rather take my chances. What would you, Brian? Let me ask you something. What would your, what kind of crazy scheme would you do to get people vaccinated? So like things that some states have done is like, um, you know, you get the lottery ticket or you get to enter right. 
Um, that actually the White Sox were doing a you got like a free uh, some dollar amount gift card if you got the J and J vaccine at the stadium. I well see, I was pissed about this because I got my vaccine so early and was such a good person that I missed out on all the deals. So I'm kind of a, a little angry about this. So I have thought about this and what would be my marketing ploy or uh, shot shot at getting people that are on the fence vaccinated. Honestly, I might just give them just straight cash, not even a lottery ticket. I would be like you. Come in and you'll get fifty or a hundred dollars, and then like you get a hundred dollars. I would that would boost, and people would be pissed that already. Yeah, you're right. But at why this point, why, why are we just doing, doing that? It's costs more. Think you, somebody run the numbers on this, but it's like let's say let's say sixty percent of Americans are vaccinated right now. So that's what a hundred of adults. So how many adults? Two hundred fifty million people. Let's say it's one hundred twenty-five million people vaccinated right now, and we want to get the extra fifteen million. You mean to tell me that the rate of money that we've been printing in the last two years, we can't just tack on? Oh, shit. Like, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, I know. It's like we can't open that, that can of worms. But, yeah. like, uh, inflation, it's a problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, you can't just uh, – that can't just be a line item where we're like, okay, we're not buying an F-35 this year. And instead, everybody's getting $100 Amazon yeah, one F-35. Card. Yeah. <laughs> Do you hear that the, the amount that uh, the U.S. military budget increased this year is the cost that it would – is the amount that it would cost to just vaccinate the entire world? <laughs> I did. I did not hear that, but like I twenty five billion dollars. I believe it. That's uh, frustrating, but yeah. So that's that's my that's my solution. Just give people money. I I think the only solution is Lin Manuel Miranda needs to write an, another play, but it's just about how you should get the vaccine in in the Heights too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, High, yeah, like everyone getting vaccinated on the George Washington Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the only way to reach those people that, that don't want it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said before, it would be – I would kind of like to see the tech companies use their Orwellian control to do it because that would just create a really good case for not letting them have that data. But I had a really cool uh, Instagrams listening to me experience the other day. It was like talking about something random that I've never – I never talked about. And then I got an ad the next day, and I was like, god damn, you guys. Yeah. It's it's t- – yeah. The, the surveillance, the, the capitalist surveillance state is out, out of control. <laughs> like we're well, just it, it's also not like there's no touch to it. You know, yeah. I mean, I would appreciate it if it was a little bit more like ooh, artful. But it's just, hey, you were talking about this bullshit. Want to buy this bullshit? Uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's so annoying that it is like that level of transaction where I'm like, there's so much money in this, and you couldn't, you just, it's still <laughs> just like a A to B straight yeah. line where it's like Lenny said Butterfingers. So here's here's a but ad for Butterfingers. <laughs> Yeah, like, or he said, I want a new shirt. And then all of a sudden, like, this feed the next day is just, like, T-shirts, button-down shirts, like, all, like fashion brands or something like that. Yeah. All right, let's close this out by um, maybe just offering, like, a, a prediction for the next couple months. Do you think that we're going to have to re-enter lockdown? I think there might be a push to, but I think even people in the areas that are acceptable to lockdown, they'll just be like, we're not doing it. Forget it. We're just going to deal with it. And I think I might join that kind of like the Matt Stoller, um, you know, vibe of like, this is not necessary. Like we're going to just live life. And it's, I mean, I I don't want to say it's Darwinism, but like we kind of, it's a, it's a rare case where everyone's on the same page. Those people want to pretend like life is normal. I want to pretend like life is normal. My justification for doing so is that this vaccine has protected me. Um, the only real downside is that you're going to let, I mean, aside from the people that die, which are mostly going to be people that opted not to get this life-saving vaccine, um, you're going to create other variants and stuff. But I mean, the cost of that, or like the risk of that compared with the risk of, um, you know, another 
embroiling, confusing, mixed messaging COVID situation, I think it's worth it to just reopen. Yeah, I agree. I think that's... I, Having said that, I want to do COVID at least once every three years. I agree. There should be a, a COVID jubilee, like where yeah. we just shut everything down, chill out. Like, and well, that, that's the thing. It's like, we should take that opportunity... We can do it without a virus. Be like, hey, yeah, let's just like, exactly. this is our break. Year. Literally, like, you know what? Maybe once every 10 years is more realistic because you're going to get. The, I say once every five. That's easy. Yeah. Because you do so. like 2020, 2025, 2030. Like, yeah, that's like. Every a, five years, just everything shuts down. It was yeah. great. It was, it was amazing. Awesome. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way that future generations aren't going to be like, wait a minute. You see, you couldn't go to work and you had to stay inside all the time and it was bad. Yeah. And you're going to be like, actually, it was, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, actually, related to that. I read a thing about how uh, there. I'm curious that on that point because back in the plague years, they did do that. Like, like in in Venice and like certain other European cities, they would just be like, "Oh, we're not doing Carnival this year because there's the plague." And like, and this was in like the 1500s and 1600s. There, like, and like other European cities were just like, "Oh yeah, like we're just suspending all public activities until." Until until we can clear. Yeah, it. but yeah. the but the threat looming outside your door was this horrendous black yeah, like, death that turned your humors into bile. Yeah, but you're just like throwing up. This your, this like, instead was like a you know you're something you're probably going to survive and not that bad. Right, so. that's true. So yeah, I guess you're right. So I think I think there is there. We'll see how much. It, I am curious to see how much it sticks in our memory. For us, it certainly will be. And I agree that we should keep the keep the positives and try to. Sh- well, shut someone down. someone pointed this out. Um, we when COVID hit. It was surprising that we had really never heard of this 1918 pandemic. Yeah. And it was like, why did they not talk about it? And one reason, I think, is because World War One happened, and we barely even talk about that afterwards. Right. Another reason, I think, is because the teens decade is very difficult for to remember because there's not a nice, like, 20s, 30s, you know? I believe that. Uh, yeah, I, totally, I very much buy into that, where it's like, everyone remembers the roaring 20s. Nobody, Everybody's like, World War One happened, yeah. and I don't really know why. Like, I can't really tell you. I think uh, <laughs> something about a League of Nations was formed. I don't remember. <laughs> something about uh, a Scottish dance band got shot. Yeah, there's, a, <laughs> yeah, there's a, you know, it's part of, like, they're really kind of part of a post-punk revival, but not really. <laughs> I don't know get, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, it, but yeah. Also, just because the reason that there's not that much history about it is because there's not that much to talk about. Yeah. Like, would you want to see a a COVID movie? No. Now, it, you, you might want to see a version of, you know, that movie and the band played on, which is about the discovery of the AIDS virus. Oh, yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. And it's a medical kind of whodunit. It tracks all the players. Something like that would be very interesting. But... A movie, like a, a, a lyrical, you know, on the ground movie about COVID and what it was like in isolation. I don't want to see that. No. I mean, it could be maybe the interesting background for something else, but there's nothing to say about it. We yeah. were just inside. Yeah. And, and I really don't want to talk about it again. I would like to do it again, but yeah, uh, it was mostly notable for its lack of events. It was just like, yeah, we just, yeah, we watched movies. We didn't do a lot. Uh there were some, especially like in certain areas where there wasn't a lot of, I mean, around here, granted, this is very hyper local, not really a lot of conflict. Everybody was on board. We're like, okay, we'll shut down. We might migrate to online uh, and restaurants actually after a little while, we'll start doing outdoor dining. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> I like this. So let's keep this benefit too. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, like I, I agree. It would not be very interesting. It would be like, oh, remember when everyone watched Tiger King? Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, that, that was just annoying. <laughs> it's more like, yeah, it was fun. To, it was fun that we got to stay inside and do that. And it was, and it was winter time and all that stuff. But other than that, I don't know. Brian, would you like to go do some outdoor dining right now? Lenny, 
I very much would. Do you uh, want to invite Charlton Heston Pisano along? Uh, Charlton, uh, yes. He, we'll pull him out of his. He, we can't pull. You'll pull away my bottle with your cold, <laughs> out of my cold, dead hands. Um, we will bring Charles C.W. Pisano with us for some. From a COVID development that was really changed my life, which was having a kid. C.W. Pisano sounds like a guy who became a robber baron by selling watches out of his trench coat. And that's what I want him to do. I want him to be like a sleazy robber baron, like a low class <laughs> robber baron, <laughs> like a bandit baron. Yeah, a bandit baron, <laughs> a baron baron. All right. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for thanks for listening, everyone <laughs> who, who listened. Uh,